On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. What went wrong for OKC? What about these rotations? And is this going to be the reaction every game? We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, me member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Folks, what a game that was. It was a kind of playoff atmosphere in Minnesota. The fans showed up in a big way the Minnesota fans, and the game kind of felt more playoffy because it was so grinded out, slow it down type of tempo that you're not used to, uh, you know, in the regular season. But for this Thunder team, they go to Minnesota and they lose 106-103. And the reaction in the fallout, which we're going to get to, we're going to react to all of your takeaways from this game has been brutal. Now, the inactives for OKC were Pokashevsky, Keontae Johnson, and Lindy Waters III. Those are all healthy scratches. Pretty interesting that the Thunder, uh, you know, whenever they had their entire roster healthy, there was no injuries whatsoever on the injury report. Didn't even have to submit one because there were zero injuries. That At that point, you have to make some people inactive. That they chose to make Pokashevsky inactive. Uh, pretty interesting. But the Thunder go to Minnesota and fall in this game. It was really a more encouraging game than I think it's getting credit for just from the instant reaction from fans because Minnesota shot 42% from three, and they caught fire from beyond the arc, especially uh, some of their complimentary pieces like Nas Reed, like Troy Brown Jr. The Thunder only shot 36% from three, and it was some some key guys missing threes that like typically – uh, they'll they'll knock them down. I mean, Chet missed a couple threes that were just wide open. He went three for eight, which isn't terrible. Like three for three for eight's not bad, but like he missed some wide open shots that he normally knocks down. Isaiah Joe went one for five, right? And we know those two wide open corner threes he missed on back to back possessions. We know that he typically uh, hits those shots. And so Kenneth Williams, who was shooting so well this year, is over two from three. Uh, you know, he's been shooting well this season. J Dub over three from three. So like the three ball wasn't falling, and if some of those fall in. Obviously, the game is different. And then you get to the free throw line, missed uh, some some uncommon free throws. I mean, Kaysen hadn't missed a free throw all year. He missed one today. Uh, and then you had J-Dub, who missed one, you know, and, and, and Josh Giddy missed two. So ultimately, this Thunder team didn't play their best basketball, and they lost by three to Minnesota, and they've gained a lot of ground. What What did them in in this game, I think, was just their scoring droughts. Like we talked at the pregame show yesterday about what they had to avoid. They had to avoid turnovers because, you know, in, in the sense of like avoiding sloppy turnovers because the Timberwolves have a good defense and they're going to turn you over regardless. So you can't just give away 
turnovers, and they had to avoid scoring droughts. They did a good job of limiting turnovers. They had under 10 turnovers. That's that's really good, especially when they started out with three in the first quarter and then had that had that snide at the beginning of the third quarter where they threw away a couple of possessions in a row. So to only finish out with eight turnovers is pretty good for the Thunder. Now, the issue was they went on multiple scoring droughts. And this Minnesota defense, they are good enough to stop you at full strength. They are good enough to stop you when you have Shea in the game. Like, like there were multiple stints where Shea was in the game and he can't do it alone. So, like, yeah, Shea's going to score 32 points. He was phenomenal, so, you know, shooting almost 60% from, three, from the floor, 0 for 1 from 3. You know, Shea was phenomenal, but there were stints on the floor where Shea was on the court and they just weren't scoring. It was that third quarter. Like, like Shea was on the floor and they were not scoring the basketball because they did a good job of defending Shea. And they do a good job of defending just in general. And so when you when they did a good job in that third quarter, when Shea was on the floor playing defense and they limited their, the Thunder's offense, that's when you knew the kind of game was, was turning the wrong way because you just had that feeling that that fourth quarter uh, scoring drought was going to come, and it did without Shea on the court. So ultimately, Minnesota's defense was better than the Thunder's offense. And, and if you play this thing out seven straight times, I think it'd be very interesting to see who would win. I think this would be a very great, you know, interesting playoff series. But it is disappointing, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. That you know, Anthony Edwards only plays in twenty eight minutes because he because he sadly got hurt uh, in, in this game. I hope that he's uh, going to be all right. Haven't really seen any de- details on that yet. Uh, you know, he kind of went up and landed on his hip hard uh, whenever Jay was trying to take a charge. But you know, he only played twenty eight minutes and you lost by three points. And you you had those uh, scoring lows that really that really hurt the Thunder. But it just comes down to needing more consistent offense and also needing more consistent offense and, and, and needing to be able to score against zone defense. Like the Thunder against man defense, they're in the 97th percentile in the NBA. That's excellent. They're in the 97th percentile in the NBA against man defense, which is the primary, it was the primary shell coverage in the league. So like that, that's great. You want to dominate man coverage because that's what you're going to see most often. The issue is whenever we sit here and talk about how are they going to be, how do you defend this team? They're so good. The way you can defend this team is is going zone against them, and that's been seen last year. That's been seen this year. You know, this year uh, they go from ninety seven percent to sixty nine percent, and and sixty nine percent is still good. Like that, like it even ranks on synergy as very good. But that's such a steep drop off from ninety seven to sixty nine. You can see the difference there whenever teams go to zone. Now. For a lot of the season, they haven't had Kenneth Williams, and, and, and Kenny Hustle is their best zone buster on the team because he's so good at operating at the nail and they can go smaller. This specific zone matchup with the Timberwolves, it kind of negates your best zone buster because, you know, you can't go that small against Minnesota. So that's that, that kind of double compounds the problem was because of what they can do. I, you know, I thought that also Rudy Gobert was phenomenal in this game. It wasn't necessarily that, like, Chet or whoever was timid in the, at the rim. They just thought better of, of not trying Rudy Gobert a lot of the times. So it looked timid, but like they were going to get blocked anyway. Like he was in great position. He, he was, he was doing a great job contesting. And so like Rudy Gobert deserves a ton of credit. You just ran into a really bad matchup for OKC and, and, and a team that we knew was a bad matchup for OKC, right? And you still only lost by three points with some things that you can clean up on your own. Hit your shots. Hit your wide-open shots that you were generating in that in that first quarter, in that first half. Don't go through those scoring lulls. 
you know, and, and Chet's night, he was off offensively, only shot 30% from the floor, three for eight from three. The box score looks a lot different if you hit some of those open threes that, that he just, you know, missed, which isn't like a, which isn't like a need to worry about like what went wrong. And look, if he's not good offensively against Rudy Gobert, that's, that's not like a knock on him. That's why Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year caliber player that he is. And he's won defense player this year before he's been an all-star before solely on the back of his defense. He's never been accused of being an elite offensive player. He's an elite defender. And so if he, if he dominates a rookie down low, you kind of expect that. And then Jada was just ext- extremely rusty. Like he, he couldn't really get into rhythm. It didn't look like, like there were times where, you know, he was overly aggressive. There was times where he was kind of fading into the background. He goes two for 10 tonight. First game back. He, he makes such a difference for the center team, especially when Shea's not on the court and you need a bucket like we saw in Golden State a couple of weeks ago. So him being rusty hurt this team. Lou Dort missed a couple bunnies and, and only made one shot out of five attempts. So for as bad as you can talk about the Thunder playing and harp on like how bad the Thunder played, the Timberwolves got a really good Rudy Gobert game on both ends. They got a bad cat game, and they lost Anthony Edwards for um, you know a, a large chunk of this game at the end. They, they only played in 28 minutes. It's tough. It's it's tough to lose this one. I will grant you that. But we're going to get into some of your reactions. And, and that's going to kind of guide the show from here on out. These are just kind of my overall thoughts, thoughts on the game. Your reactions will take away the show here. But every game can't be the sky is falling. Every game can't be, oh, my gosh, what's going on? What went wrong? What Every game, you know, has to have some sort of measure to it. I think the biggest reaction to this game is just like, how are they going to figure out how to play in zone? And how are they going to figure out how to get the right combination of players on the court that won't go through those scoring droughts? Because as we mentioned, Minnesota's defense was good enough to stop you and make you go through a drought with Shea on the court. So then you can see how they smothered you whenever Shea was not on the court. But Minnesota's a really good team and it's hard to win on the road. And they have the best record in the West right now for a reason. And the Thunder still have a top four record in the West presently even for being uh, the second youngest team in basketball. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this game a lot today. Coming up, though, we're going to talk about our good friends over at eBay Motors. Folks, eBay Motors is there for you because they want to help you get your guaranteed fit. So they've partnered up with our guy, Josh Lloyd, from Locked On Fantasy Basketball to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week and all season long, whether you're prepping for daily uh, drafts, whether you are scouting the waiver wire, Every week, we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's take a look at who Josh has picked for this week. It's the eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. So you have Jaden Ivey with his level of of scoring that he can provide you, and and the Pistons kind of going nowhere. Surely uh, they're going to kind of lift him up into into the rotation heavier now. You have Al Horford, who... You know, he, he has Christoph Porzingis out and Horford uh, has going to see a bump in his production because Porzingis is out. So you're going to see how Horford maybe be a nice pickup for you. Gordon Hayward, if people dropped Hayward, you might want to grab him back up now because of LaMelo Ball's injury. Somebody has to score those points. Somebody has to to, to carry the load offensively without LaMelo Ball, who, who is sadly, of course, on the sidelines. Sadiq Bay, Bay has been elevated to the starting lineup with Jalen Johnson out. And so that can be a very serviceable bridge gap for you. If your fantasy team is dealing with injuries, 
you can go pick up a starter in Sadiq Bay, and he can get you some of those points that you need. And then Scoot Henderson, up and down from Scoot Henderson, up and down from Scoot Henderson, but his minutes are back. And if you can afford to gamble on like, hey, he might throw out, you know, a clunker or two each week, but, but he's supremely talented and Portland is a losing team. And, and we've seen what rebuilding teams look like. And we've seen that there are some teams and whenever they're rebuilding that like you can just have a magical game, you know, one or two a week of this group. If you're in a season long fantasy, you know, situation, I would pick Scoot Henderson. Because I, I would love to stash him and let him get cooking a little bit, put him in the lineup, and then just let him take over. Because once he gets acclimated to the NBA, he is so talented as a scorer, it's going to help you out a lot in fantasy. So Josh Lloyd, host of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors is going to help you win the championship of your vehicle and make sure you stay running with that same vehicle. It's the uh, perfect fit for the perfect player, the perfect fit for the perfect car. Check it out today at eBay Motors. Folks, I know nothing about cars, and that's why I love eBay Motors. Because with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride-or-die car, it gets overwhelming. As someone who knows nothing about cars, well, which one do I pick? Where do I, what, what, what's going to fit my car? That goes all the way with eBay, eBay Motors because all I have to know, my make, my model, my year. I know those three things. I put those three things in, and boom, they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle whether you need brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever you need to get your baby up and running, eBay Motors has it for you with eBay's guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. So check it out today and keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay, guaranteed fit, is only available for U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, going to use the rest of the show as a bit of a therapy session, a little bit of a therapy session, because a lot of your uh, takeaways were, uh, were, were pretty strong, pretty strong. We'll start with some of the most tame ones. Chase Fuller says, other than the, other than the Nuggets game, uh, the Thunder uh, have been playing top teams very close or outright, outright winning the games, uh, but uh, reassuring that fact that the, because they're so young, they're going to start to win these games in the future. Yeah, I mean, they're going to they're gonna figure it out. Like, this is still an incredibly young team, so winning these games on the road is very tough. I totally agree. Um, Thunder DNA, a three-point loss with Chet and J-Dub combining for eight for 30 shooting is not that bad. Play Aaron Wiggins more. The Thunder have to, to solidify Aaron Wiggins's rotational spot they just have to and i've been saying it and i'll continue to say it wiggins is one of your best players on this roster that contribute to winning in the sense of your rotation your rotational pieces he should be a guaranteed 15 minutes a night at a minimum he can fit every lineup he can defend in every matchup he can he can help you do the dirty work he can help you score at all three levels like wiggins Helps you win games. So like he should play. And Wiggins was part of the 2021 draft class. Like he's not like some old guy who has no clear direction and no clear future. And if you, if you play Wiggins and he ends up proving out and bearing out over the course of this season, 
that he is one of your top rotational pieces, then you have found value with the 55th overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. Like, that is a great thing for the franchise. It's not as though you're, you're finding value in, like, an old guy who doesn't have many years left in the NBA, right? Like, if, if you were finding value with Davis Bertans, right? Davis Bertans, financially, you're going to have to move on from him this offseason. So, like, if they were to, to, to plug him into the rotation every single night, it'd be for not because it, that's not how you're going to get to play in the future. Playing Wiggins, that's how you get to play in the future. Like you're going to be able to do that in the future with Wiggins. And, and every time that you play him, he's a good basketball player. Every time that you play him, he helps you win basketball games. And I, I have to give a huge credit to Wiggins too because you know we've been talking, you know, I've talked to, other players in the NBA, I've talked to Cam Woods, I've talked to Mark about you know, Usman Jang specifically. Like They've been looking to get Usman Jang to figure out how to play in short spurts and kind of, you know, in these in these quick, you know, five minutes here, five minutes there, going on long stretches without being played, then boom, you're going to get right back in certain. And, and Cam Woods and other players have talked about how hard that is to like not have to use your first few minutes to get warmed up and to get acclimated to the, to the uh, you know, speed of the game and to the environment every single night. Wiggins, no matter when you put him in, I don't care if he hasn't played in 20 games. I don't care if he hasn't played in two games. I don't care what the situation is. Whenever you put him in, he's ready to play basketball. And that is a difficult skill to have. And he has it. Wiggins should be playing basketball every single night. Should be playing 15 minutes a night uh, fairly easily. Like you have to play Aaron Wiggins. Uh, Lindy Waters fan page. I feel like Mark is trying to do too much with the rotations. I think Wiggins, Oos, and Trey all deserve more minutes. I believe that's Trey Mann deserve more minutes. Uh, I think they can be better. Uh, I think that they can give better minutes than uh, Giddy, Jaywell, and maybe even Dort. Uh, so like, okay, so a lot of this, all of these people were talking about rotations. That wasn't necessarily the rotational comments like I've seen others talk about. I've seen a lot of people complaining about Oos. Usman Jang played a minute. And 30 seconds. He played a minute and 30 seconds. This game was not win or loss with Usman Jang. The Thunder tried Usman Jang. He went out there. He didn't play good basketball. They sat him down. That's exactly what you want Mark to do. Like That's exactly what you've been clamoring for Mark to do, is to not stay committed to you know, initial plans or to not stay committed to just giving away minutes. You can't just sit, you know, your 11th overall pick for 82 games. He's never going to be, you know, uh, the perceived best option on this team right now with where he's at in his career. But he has to, you know, at some point get NBA minutes and, and get NBA reps. So they tried it in this game. After he played some solid minutes uh, against Philadelphia, they tried it in this game. Can he play five more solid minutes? to kind of bridge the gap at the end of the first quarter. He couldn't. He played, a, he played a bad minute and 30 seconds, and he got pulled out. That is, like, perfectly acceptable for Mark. Like, the, the, to kill Mark for that is really, really, really silly. It is really silly. Because outside of Usman Jang, Mark played the starting five, and then he played Isaiah Joe, Jay Will, Kenny Hustle, Kaysen Wallace, Aaron Wiggins. That's all that he played outside of the minute and 30 seconds he spent through some Jang. So how do you want to allocate that minute 30 seconds? Would you want to give 30 more seconds to, to Kendrick Williams and then a minute to Casey Wallace? 
I'm with you, right? Like, I'm with you that, that Casey Wallace and, and Kendrick Williams were better than, than Usman Jang tonight. And in fact, everyone who played was better than Usman Jang tonight. But you've got to let them play some. This is an 82-game season. And not that you can ever give away games. But when you have the lead and you're and you're kind of, you know, feeling good about the situation at hand in, the, in that game, trying Usman Jang for a minute did not collapse this team. And you never know until you try. Like, he played really good against Philadelphia. He goes against Minnesota. He doesn't play good at all. And he gets pulled. Now, I would have been with you if he played Usman Jang five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes in this game. Because it was really evident from the start Usman Jang didn't have it. He played Usman Jang for a minute and 30 seconds. The other criticism of the rotations, let's just get them all out right here. SGA, you know, playing 34 minutes, uh, you know, in this game. SGA plays the exact same rotational minutes as every other superstar in the NBA. The entire first quarter, close out the second quarter, the entire third quarter, close out the fourth quarter. The only gripe I have about SGA in this game and, and the minutes that he played was that even Chris Fisher pointed out that SGA was ready to check it back in at the scores table at the seven-minute mark like he always is. He doesn't get checked back in until the fifth, until the fifth minute mark, you know, the five-minute mark. So you lost those, those two minutes because of the, just the way that the game was happening, where, where there was just no stoppage to get him in. My thing is, you got to create a, a stoppage for SGA. And I get it. You don't want to call a timeout or anything. Uh, whenever like you get a missed shot, you can go and push the tempo. But after your next made bucket, after you know their next made bucket, after you no longer have the advantage, you know, uh, you know, transitionally, right? Even if you just simply give away a foul, you got to do something to stop the ball. Even as something as small, like if you want to save your timeouts because the timeouts were important at the end of this close game, you knew you were not going to close with Josh Kitty. You knew Josh Kitty was not good enough to close this game. You knew that he just you know, was not up to par and he only had one foul. And by no means in danger of fouling out. So if he picks up a second foul for the sake of getting SGA in two minutes earlier, that is a, a that is a fantastic trade-off because the only way you're putting Josh Kitty back in this game is to inbound the ball. He's not going to get a foul there. He's not going to get a foul inbounding the ball. So to, to sacrifice those two minutes because there was no stoppage, I think was was the wrong decision because you had guys on the floor who, even if the only way you can get a stoppage is you don't want to call a timeout on yourself, you don't want to call a timeout in transition, so you don't want to end your offensive flow, I get that. But if the only stoppage is in the half court, once the defense is set, hey, Josh, go take a foul, and we can stop the, stop the game and get Shea in, that's perfectly worth it to give Josh his second foul. Because I get it. I mean, I mean, Lou had five, Jadab had four, Chet had three. You give away a Chet foul, that's Chet had two, that's three now fouls on Chet. Then you only have a couple to work with, right? So like I, I get it. Especially Chet playing, of course, a dangerous position where it's just you can you can rack up fouls quickly down low at the end of games. But Josh Kitty was on the floor, he had one foul. So he picks up his second foul. You're gonna put him on the bench anyway. And the only time he'll step back on the court is to inbound the ball. So letting those two minutes pass by. I thought was a little bit of a misstep from Mark. I, I don't know the I don't know the reasoning though. I, I mean, I'm I'm not in his brain. I mean, I'm sure he knows. Uh, I mean, I know he knows way more about basketball than I do. But from the outside looking in, I I didn't understand letting those two minutes go by whenever Shea was at the at the uh, scores table. But that's two minutes. That was two minutes that like uh, you know Shea should have been in the game. But it is what it is. Uh, I, I thought that you know overall we have to remember that like Mark is a 
young coach too. Like this team is young. Mark is young. This is the first real season where like there's been any sort of pressure, external pressure, especially on Mark. And this is the first real season where like all of, all of this stuff is like under a microscope and all of this stuff is going to be heavily dissected and scrutinized. But we'll continue on talking about your reactions to this game. Uh, White Wolf says, if I see another 50 pump fake game, I'm going to lose it. I think that the pump fake stuff was just like, just the presence of Rudy Gobert. Like Rudy Gobert is just awesome at protecting the rim. So we can continue on here. Talking about your takeaways, J.A. says, uh, stagnant offense, missed too many open looks, timid inside, pulling up her layups, and the rebounding is killing OKC. Yeah, the rebounding is is an issue against especially, you know, Minnesota. That's going to be an issue all year long. It's going to be an issue that the Thunder are going to have to deal with. And and the thing is, they, they you know, we got to try to counteract that by pushing the tempo and limiting uh, second chance points. You got to work harder uh, defensively. And, and, it's it's hard, right? It, it's hard to continuously work harder in an 82 game season, but like that's the way that this this is set up and that and that this team is is designed. So you have to uh, work harder, either fighting for loose rebounds or um, getting multiple stops in one possession, which is very tough. But they believe that they can uh, do that more uh, in the aggregate than than not. So hopefully, hopefully that'll turn around for them. Uh, but. We're going to continue talking about your takeaways. A lot of them about rebounding. A lot of them about Mark. Um, you know, Mark Estrella is not college basketball. He can't play everyone on the team, and he can't play the same. You know, the same way. Look, I, I, his rotations tonight, like it's getting way overblown. I think, like his rotations tonight were, were Usman Jang a minute thirty seconds, and then the SGA thing. I, I don't think that like, I don't think that's like worthy of like condemning Mark <laughs> in this scenario. Uh, but we'll talk more about it today, coming up on today's show. But first. What's it right now? Better get friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel's great. Go to FanDuel.com right now. Slash locked on. When you do, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets for winning a $5 money line bet. That's a $5 money line bet uh, for new customers uh, for 150 bucks in bonus bets back. A money line bet is just who you think will win. So you're not going to worry about anything else except for who you think will win. You predict the winner. But you can also do spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. At FanDuel, it's the best time to go to FanDuel.com. The reason why I say that is, FanDuel has everything you want, everything. I mean, they have NFL, they have college football, they have college basketball, they have the NBA, they have it all for you. So check it out today, including NHL, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. For example, the Magic and the Wizards get together. The Magic are 10-point favorites at home against Washington. Uh, the Wizards with a big win over Detroit in their last outing. You can also watch tonight uh, uh, some great games uh, on deck as the Lakers are in action against the Pistons. Lakers are seven-point road favorites in Detroit. The Lakers, of course, come to OKC tomorrow, so you can watch the Lakers and see kind of how they're going to handle uh, this back-to-back scenario, and, and that might give you a little a little hint into who will play tomorrow in OKC. So you can go there right now at Fender.com slash LockedOn. Get $150 in bonus bets if you win that $5 money line bet. So go check it out today. Go pick a winner and get your bonus bet. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, you're taking your reactions and using them to guide the show. From Trey Thomas, last year the Thunder dominated third quarters. What changed? Playing from ahead a lot of the times in third quarters. Like, it is so much harder to play from ahead versus to play from behind. 
Uh, and, and particularly last year in the third quarter, you're playing from pretty steep margins. We're like, we've seen in the NBA just by watching the Thunder of like, when teams get up a lot, you, know, you kind of take your foot off the gas. You know, you're kind of relaxed a little bit. And the other team, they have sort of nothing to lose. They come out swinging and give you that one more good punch before they before they wave the white flag. And oftentimes that one more good punch in the NBA is enough to get you back in the game. And so the third quarters are, are incredibly challenging whenever you're the team on the high side. And this is a team that has to now relearn, relearn how to play in the third quarter. We learn how to play with the league. We learn how to play uh, in that scenario. Uh, but We'll continue to go on. Too many players played below average. Shea can't do everything. Yeah, I mean, too many players did not uh, play to what to their standards. That, that is an obvious um, agreement there. Uh, I, I like Mark Benes to seriously reevaluate his fourth quarter rotations. Uh, the Thunder are not tank, tanking anymore. Who else would you want to play? Like, like do you, do, are you just dying to see uh, Davis Bertans out there and, and his inability to play defense? Are you just dying to see – uh, you know, what, what are you, what are you dying to see? I mean, I mean, Michich would be uh, an interesting guy to see. You, you could make the case for, for Trey Mann's scoring ability, but like the only players you didn't play were Davis Pertans, Trey Mann, Michich, and Olivier Saar. And in those four, in that fourth quarter, I assume you mean the parts where Shea wasn't in the game. I assume the only player you want to take out of that lineup was Josh Giddy. So that leaves you with Michich and, Try man, and if you want to say that they can provide you more than Josh Giddy can at this point on the floor, I totally agree with that. But you know, you're, they're going to play through and, and work with their uh, their sixth overall pick. So it's kind of the nature of uh, the being. The, the, the bottom line is, this fan base has a championship appetite for a team that has a first round stomach, right? Like this is this team is not a championship contending team right now. Like this team is not a failure if they don't win the championship this year. This team is not a failure if they they don't get to the second round. This team is still going to grow and build. And the 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 worrying about what Sam Presti will or won't do should just be held off for like eight months. I'm with you this summer, but for this season, they're going to take the entirety two games. They're going to play their style of basketball. They're going to play the guys they believe in. At the end of these 82 games, and hopefully there's a few more games in there after the playoffs, at the end of this season, that's when this team has to make some tough decisions. And they have to make some some moves to improve this roster. They don't have to do it before between now and February, but they have to do it this summer, in my opinion. So... I would advise, if you care, what I have to say, which some of you do, I think, I hope, I would advise to just make your own evaluations of these players, enjoy the ride for these 82 games, then in the offseason we can start to clamor for this or this or this to change. But, like, this roster is going to be pretty much the roster uh, for the rest of the season. I, I would be um, interested to see if they do anything at the deadline. I don't think that they will. I think that this is going to be their team. And then this summer, things have to shake up a little bit. Uh, so a lot of you had the same comment as well. I'm going to read uh, uh, Marshmallow's kind of reaction, but a lot of you have the same reaction. Uh, allegations aside, it's apparent that Josh Giddy does not fit with this team. However, why is, he st- uh, why is he still starting? Opponents have definitely found out that he's the weak link. 
and that's why he's being targeted on defense and left wide open and just clogs the paint. So uh, allegations aside, all that aside, yes, Josh Giddy is playing horrible basketball. Uh, he's he's not he's a non-factor uh, defensively. He's became a non-factor offensively because even his playmaking has has regressed. He, he's not really trusting himself um, to dribble. He's not really trusting himself to kind of uh, uh, probe in the in the lane and, and 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 get kicked outs and things like that as a ball handler and as a playmaker. Josh Giddy's just not playing good basketball right now. Um, he it, it, we already knew it was going to be an awkward fit. But figure that it could still work out in Oklahoma City. Um, this this first 17 games, whatever it's been, has not been good for Josh Giddy. Um, some guys are going to get left behind, and I'm not saying that that's the case with Josh Giddy already. But this is not a great start to uh, this core four. This is the first 15 games of this core's life together. Right, I know that we've kind of gotten used to seeing Josh Giddy play. We've gotten used to seeing Shea play. Gotten used to seeing J Dub play. The four of them together have only played in like 15, 16 games. So, like, this is still a new thing that that can be worked on and can uh, be worked out. But the defense, I don't think, will ever um, come around for Josh Giddy necessarily. His his lack of being able to to score the ball efficiently at any level, either at the rim or three-point land or wherever, um, is worrisome. But as I said before, they're going to take this whole 82-game season and they're going to see what they have. They're going to to kind of see um, where this team stands and, 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 and who's going to be able to uh, survive the roster turnover. As far as starting goes, I'm totally with you. Like Josh Kitty is not playing good. He's playing bad basketball. Uh, there's other guys who are playing better than him. I think we get wrapped up in the starter stuff a whole lot. Josh Giddy hasn't and won't close games for this team. That's what matters. He plays, you know, the least amount of minutes of the starters. He doesn't close games out in the clutch. That's what matters. Doesn't matter who the PA announcer talks about. He gets out. He gets off the court in pretty short order in the first quarter. Uh, to let SGA and and and, and um, you know, SGA and Dorn and three rotational players, oftentimes Joe and them, um, work at the end of the first quarter. So like the starter stuff, it doesn't really matter. I get it; it's a status symbol. I get it that it's a uh, it's kind of a perceived like great thing. But Josh is out of the game early in the first. He doesn't close games, so they're already playing Josh pretty much bench minutes and like as as little as you can play him. There's not really much else they can do short of just DNPing him, and you're not going to do that to the sixth overall pick. Um, now, again, this is all on-the-court stuff only. This is all other stuff aside. Um, so that's the bottom line. He's got to play better. He's got to get better. You know, he went four for eight tonight on the overall box score, but uh, you look at the second-half box score, and in 13 second-half minutes, he went 0 for 3 with three boards, one assist, a foul, and minus 11. He 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 isn't rebounding the ball as good as he has previously, which was a big deal for last year's team was the, uh, his ability to rebound. He's not playmaking as well as he used to. And, like, I'm not just talking about, like, sheer raw assist numbers. Like, he's not even getting, like, the potential assist that he used to. Like, he's finding open guys, and they're just not hitting the shot. He's just not playing good basketball. And I'm not going to talk about you know, or speculate why that is or isn't. It's it's curious 
right? How he played so well in FIBA, like what was that three months ago? And now he looks like a man who's forgotten how to play basketball. I just don't think that guys of that skill level just forget how to play basketball. So it's probably like, you know, there's probably just something, um, you know, that, that, that he's having to, well, you know, just with Josh, it's been 17 games or whatever. Let's just see what happens the rest of the season. But the conversation is getting louder and louder about his fit on the court this summer. It'll be at a fever pitch one way or the other. And we'll kind of see where it's at then. He's been a slow starter before. I don't know what that means for this season. He certainly does not look the part right now, uh, but you know he's going to have he's going to have uh, I guess that's what seventy more games to to figure it out or sixty more games to figure it out, whatever it is at this point. So that, that's where you're at on Josh Giddey. Just not a very good player right now, and uh, we'll see if he we'll see if he turns it around. Uh, despite the yell, Shea is clearly the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, he gets it done on both ends, and Shea exemplifies that notion. MVP front runner. Yeah, I, I, I like where Shea's at. Like on the basketball reference MVP tracker, I like to use that. He's third right now behind Jokic and Embiid. Um, I, I like where Shea's at in the MVP race. I think that he should be um, seriously considered for the MVP and should be, uh, you know, he was fifth last year in MVP voting. He should finish higher than fifth this year uh, so long as this season uh, continues to continues to trend that way. But uh, we'll continue on here. Uh, should have played... Should have played the other Jalen Williams more minutes. Uh, okay, you spelled Jalen Williams as in J-Will. So I'm going to assume you meant J-Will more minutes because, like, I, since you're not talking, I think that you guys should just spell the ones that you're talking about because they do spell them differently. So uh, should have played J-Will more minutes. I, I think J-Will played well. I, th I think that he played better than his box score would indicate, especially defensively. Uh, but 11 minutes, you know, I, I'm not sure who you'd want to sacrifice other, you know, to, to gain minutes for him, you got to take away minutes from somebody else. I'm not really sure who you'd want to take away minutes to, to get him back on the court. Uh, maybe, maybe you can play, you know, Dort less and, and, and Josh less, and those can go to Jay Will, but, you know, that's just not, that's kind of a funky lineup at that point. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, Jay was playing really well, though. I, I totally agree with you. We'll, we'll see. But like 11 to 15 minutes is kind of uh, where he's going to, um, where he's going to level off at. So uh, somebody asked, are they going to boo Josh Giddy in away games versus that a Minnesota thing? I have no idea if they're going to do that in other arenas. I'd imagine that they are going to, um, but yeah, he got booed tonight. Um, final question from uh, Marshmallow. What are the plans from the front office? They have said in advance of this year that this is a developmental year. However, uh, when they identify, when will they identify it's time to make a push? The team was once number two in the West and looking solid as she is not young forever. Well, like they haven't been able to make a push yet. Like last year's team was not push worthy. We'll see where this year's team ends up at, at the deadline right now. You know, they're, they're technically the fifth best team in the West, uh, but they have the same record as teams four and three in the West. So, and they played, then they play the fourth overall team in the West uh, this week. So like we'll see we'll see what uh, happens with that and and like what happens with when they want to make a push. I would just continue to earmark this summer because like this summer you will have data on what this team is. You will have hopefully data on who is a playoff player and and who stumbled in their first playoff opportunity. Right, like we see all the time of like playoffs breed and 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 bring out completely um, you know different versions of players, good and bad. And we'll see our first glimpse of that. Like we've seen uh, Lou Dort 
play really well in the postseason environment. We've seen Josh Giddey play well in the postseason environment. So, like, we're also going to see guys not play as well in the postseason environment as uh, as they used to. So, like, ultimately, you know, Gobert was great. People are overreacting about Mark. I think that he's still a great coach. I think he's still one of the best in the NBA, one of the best uh, – the best Thunder I've ever had. Uh, and I don't think that he lost this game for the Thunder. Um, I don't really know – how you can get there outside of the one minute and 30 seconds he gave to Usman Jang. And then, you know, you, you can do what we did and argue that, that Shea should have been in the game earlier by way of the foul or at least a timeout. Uh, but other than those two things, I don't, I don't really know how you get there to like be as out on mark as a lot of people seem to be. I think that that's just kind of like the nature of wanting to be negative and wanting to have a take. Sometimes the take is just, ah, you know, really good team in Minnesota beat the Thunder today. Like that's just the take. Uh, but we reacted to a lot of your takeaways. Uh, you can always, of course, drop takeaways in the YouTube comments, uh, on Twitter, in DMs, whatever you want to do. Uh, it, talking basketball is a lot of fun, so we'll always do it with you here on Lockdown Thunder. And until tomorrow, what we're going to do tomorrow is we're going to uh, preview the next five games because we did get the two uh, in-season tournament fallout games added to the schedule. We're going to react to the next five games, especially the Lakers, and, and see kind of how they handle the Pistons game, see if that gives us any kind of tell for uh, where they're going to be at um, in, in, in tomorrow's game. And then we're going to react to your fake trades because everyone loves fake trades. We're going to react to your fake trades. So send me your trades, and I'll react to them on the show, and I'll give them a great if they're good, bad, who wins, who loses, all that fun stuff. So until then, be good. Be good to one another.